This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Now this morning, we are in message number two out of the book of Ephesians, and the title of this series is Blessed. And so, that's where we're headed. Um... All of us last Sunday, except I ran into a person or two that somehow didn't get one. So we have a daily devotional guide that's walking us through the book of Ephesians. So if you were here last Sunday and didn't get one, or you weren't here last Sunday and didn't get one, the ushers have them in their hands. They're ready to hand them to you. So if you didn't get one of these, would you just kindly slip your hand in the air and the ushers will rush one to your side. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Keep them raised until they get you one. Um, 21 days of seeking after God through the book of Ephesians. And uh, boy, you can go back and get caught up if you'd like to get caught up, or you can pick it up midstream. It's, um, it's a time to seek after God. We call it a spiritual journey here because we are seeking after God. And you know, we just sang a song earlier in our service called Jesus, We Seek You. Well, it, we sang Jesus, We Need You, and then Jesus, We Seek You. And so I want to encourage you in that. Would you join with me now in prayer? Father in heaven, as we read from your word, would you open our hearts that we might hear what you have to say for us individually? Would you enable us to take the truth of your word? And when we walk out the doors of this building, would you enable us to live what you have taught us here this morning so that we're not just smarter, or better informed that we might actually grow and develop and be better people. To come into our lives and change us now by the power of your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On the inside of your program, you will find a sheet of fill-in-the-blank notes. Why don't you grab those and uh, we will get ready. The theme of this book is blessed. And in fact, the expanded theme of this book is God's people are a blessed people. Let's say that out loud. Ready? God's people are a blessed people. And uh, even though Paul wrote this from prison and was in prison purely and simply because he followed Christ, the theme is still, even in prison, we're blessed. That means no matter what we're going through, we are a blessed people. So with that as the theme, then today we walk into this concept of new life. And I suppose if there's ever a church that this should be appropriate for, it would be this one, correct? Because it is the basic truth of all of Scripture, which is why it finds its way into the name of this church, New Life Christian Fellowship. I know you've heard this statement before, that sometimes you don't know what you have until what? Until it's gone or you lose it. And I think oftentimes, where we are today, if I don't feel so blessed today, if I will just go back and and sort of transport myself in time and say, okay, Ron, what was I like before I decided to follow Jesus? What was my life like um, prior to Christ coming into my life? Or Prior to Christ doing something in my heart recently, what was it like before that? 
And oftentimes when we do that, it gives us a greater sense of, of a reality of where we are today and what Christ has done for us. And so what the Apostle Paul does is he writes to these Christians in the city of Ephesus and he says, before I can get you to really understand how blessed you are with this new life, I need in your minds to take you back where you were. So at the beginning of chapter 2, that's where Paul begins. And I'm going to ask you to read it out loud with me, if you would, please. So here is Scripture reading, Bible teaching number 1. Ready? Let's read, beginning with the word in. Here we go. In the past, you were spiritually dead because of your sins and the things you did against God. Yes, in the past, you lived the way the world lives following the ruler of the evil powers that are above the earth. That same spirit is now working in those who refuse to obey God. In the past, all of us lived like them, trying to please our sinful selves and doing all the things our bodies and minds wanted. We should have suffered God's anger because of the way we were, we were the same as all other people. Wow, that's where we were. If you, if you mark time in your life, that's B.C., right? Before Christ. And, and that's where I was before Christ. And there are four truths that Paul wants to give us about our life prior to coming to Christ or prior to becoming a follower of Christ or a Christian. And truth number one is this. We were spiritually dead. What does it mean to be spiritually dead? Well, first of all, let's talk about the word dead. When a person is dead, they're unresponsive. They just don't respond. That's one of the ways uh, that we know that they're dead. So it means we're unresponsive. Spiritually dead means then we're unresponsive to the things of God's Spirit. Someone comes along and says, hey, come to church with me. And we go, uh, right? Why would I want to do that? There's nothing in us that responds to the things of the Spirit. Someone hands us a devotional guide and says, here, here are daily readings where you can read from God's Word. There's a suggested prayer that you can pray to God and you can grow spiritually. And we look at that and go, do I have to? You know, whatever it is, if it has to do with God's Spirit, when we are spiritually dead, we just don't respond. There's nothing in us that is drawn to that. Now, every person in this room has been there. Some of us might even be there today. And you know, the truth is, even once you become a follower of Christ, is it possible to drift off into sort of spiritual deadness? Yeah, it is. If you're here this morning, and you can point to a time in your life where you decided to follow Christ, but today, you're not just passionate about being drawn to God. Then it means you're living in some form of spiritual deadness. And what God wants to do is make you alive. We'll talk about that in a minute. The first thing we have to know is we start from a place of spiritual deadness. Truth number two is this. Without realizing it, we were marionettes. Now, unless you're 
older than I am, you might not know what a marionette is. It's an old-fashioned word for a puppet, but not just a puppet that has a hand in it. Marionettes were the puppets that had strings attached to their arms and their legs and their head. And the person who was, was uh, running all that was unseen. It was above them, and they would put on shows for adults and children and so forth. And it was kind of a cute thing. I want you to think about that for a minute because the passage that you and I read said that we were controlled by unseen powers of darkness that are above the earth. You know the truth? I want you to hear this. In your lifetime, sooner or later, in my lifetime, Every single person in this room eventually will come under the control of Christ or you will be under the control of Satan. There's no middle ground. So the question is, who do you want to call the shots in your life? You say, oh, I'm going to call the shots myself. Yeah, I'll be my own boss. Well, Paul speaks to that too. Take a look at the next truth. Truth number three is this. We were deceived by our own desires. And I want to tell you what deceived means. Deceived means you think one thing is happening when what? Something else is happening. And you think, oh, you are calling the shots. Satan's not going to control me. I'll call my own shots. I'll do what I want to do in life. God's not going to control me. Satan's not going to control me. I will be master of my own destiny. I will follow my own desires. What you don't know or don't realize or have forgotten is that both Satan and Christ have the power to plant in your life desire. And you're going to listen to either desire the desires that Satan plants in your life or the desires that God plants in your life. And ultimately, one or the other will be pulling the strings in your life. Every one of us has been deceived by our own desires. Now, in His grace, God has wired up life in such a way that virtually every spiritual truth, every eternal spiritual truth, is found in picture form over and over and over again throughout life. Have you ever... Have you ever been deceived by your own desires and figured it out after it was over? And you thought, man, this is just going to be great. This is what I want to do. And maybe it's while you were still living at home and your parents said, I don't think you want to do that. And because you were old enough to know better than your parents, right? You said, oh, yes, I do. And they said, trust me, you don't want to do that. Oh no, but I do want to do that. That'll make me really happy. I just can't imagine anything better than that. And they finally said, okay, if you want to. Now, hopefully, they didn't say that to anything that could be fatal. Usually parents only say yes when they know the pain will only be short-lived, however intense. And there you go. How did that usually turn out? Sort of like your parents thought, right? Yeah. 
You get deceived by your own desires. Now God says, look, you're looking at life down here. You got a very limited perspective. Why don't you trust me? I'm looking at life from up here and I can tell you what's best for you. So if you just follow what I ask you to do, man, life will work right for you. So guess what? Truth number four was this. And that is, that lifestyle didn't work for us. Remember when you were a kid and you thought, I can't wait till I get to be an adult. Why? I can do... Oh, yeah. And you headed off to college. For the first time, you were outside of your parents' purview. And you thought... I can do anything I want and not be held accountable for it. Right? I don't even have to sneak in. I can walk right up to my dorm room, put my own key in the door, and walk in at 4 o'clock in the morning if I want to. And you did. Yeah. How'd that turn out? Some of us took our freshman year over again, didn't we? It just didn't work out that well. And you know the sad part is, by the time some of us woke up to reality, we were addicted. We were addicted to something that ruled our lives. Some substance. Some of us were addicted maybe to the opposite sex. We were addicted to immorality. We were addicted to... It's amazing how that when we just follow our desires, and I love the way the Scripture read that that we read out loud, we did anything our minds and bodies wanted to do. And in the end, here's the application truth. You put all four of those together. When we don't follow Jesus, our lives are, number one, incomplete. We found ourselves saying, there's got to be more to life than this. And you know, a couple of years ago, I went back to my 40th class reunion. And I encountered a significant percentage of my graduating class that graduated in 1969 And they are still thinking that if they drank a little bit more or took a few more drugs, they would find the answer to life. And it's still empty. They just don't know where it is. They just don't know where it is. Some of them were not into things like that. Some of them were into sports, playing in sports leagues and so forth and all kinds of stuff. Nothing wrong with that. But they were thinking, if I could just get in one more league and have one more 30-point game in basketball, my life would be complete. No. Our lives are incomplete, often destructive. Yes. And always displeasing to God. Now, friends, if you want a formula for what doesn't work, take those three. If it's incomplete, destructive, and displeasing to God, what chance does it have to work? None, right? Can't work. Destined to fail. And if that's where the story ended, it would, there would be no good news this morning. But the, but the beginning of the next passage begins with the word but. And what's the opposite of death? It's life. 
And so take a look at where Paul turns. That's what we used to be. Paul says, now here's where we are today. And let's read Bible teaching number two. And I want you to read it out loud with me too. Ready? Let's begin. But God's mercy is great. And he loved us very much. Though we were spiritually dead because of the things we did against God, he gave us new life in Christ. You have been saved by God's grace. And he raised us up with Christ and gave us a seat with him in the heavens. He did this for those in Christ Jesus so that for all future time he could show the very great riches of his grace by being kind to us in Christ Jesus. Wow. I want to give you three truths out of that. And by the way, these are the basic truths of all of Scripture. All of the rest of Scripture is around these truths. Truth number one is this. God gives us new life. I want you to write this underneath there somewhere. And that is, God replaces death with life. Now friends, of all the trades that you could make in life. You think, I've got a clunker. Man, if I could trade that clunker for a decent car, that would be a great trade, especially if it didn't cost you anything, right? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of us that would stand in line for that right this morning, right? And we would walk out of here with a grin from ear to ear thinking, man, I just made the best deal ever. But you know the truth? The best deal you could ever make. The best deal is if you could trade death for life. doesn't get any bigger than that, does it? I, I certainly don't want to bring up tough feelings for any of you who have stood around the body of a loved one recently. But I can tell you what. If someone could walk in that room as you're standing there next to the body of your dad or your mom or your brother or your sister, if they could walk in the room and say, would you like to trade that death for life? What would it mean to you? Could you put a price on that? You couldn't. No. You know what Jesus offers? We were spiritually dead, but God gave us what? New life. God replaces death with life. And one of my favorite things to do as a pastor is just listen. Because people who were spiritually dead and who laughed at going to church and laughed at reading the Bible and laughed at prayer and laughed at anything that had to do with the Spirit of God. Watching God get a hold of them and in six months or a year, they're going to church, they're singing songs, if you watch them really carefully, once in a while they're raising their hands while they're singing. You couldn't have paid them all the money in the world to raise their hands in a church service anywhere else. pastor might call on them, right? Yeah. But there they are. And they're reading and they're drawing near to God. And they're looking at me and they're saying, man, if anyone had told me a year ago I'd be doing this, I'd just look at them and shake my head and say, there is no way. What happened to them? Their death got replaced with life. The second truth out of this passage is this. This is not self-help. 
And of all the points that I'm going to give you this morning, I want this one to sink in most. Because the natural tendency of the human spirit is to reduce Christianity to a set of rules and regulations. It's sort of like you, you go to... Um, the great thing about Jesus is he was sort of like a guru on steroids. And so he revealed these wonderful rules. And if you live by these rules, good things happen in your life. I just want to put that idea to bed right now. That is not the heart of Christianity. Friends, you could study every rule in the Bible. And if somehow, through superhuman strength, you could actually keep every rule in the Bible, you would still miss the heart of Christianity. Because you know what the heart of Christianity is? It's about the God of heaven and earth coming to live inside you. Friends, you can't do that. You can't do that by keeping rules. Some of you like to garden. So you go to the store and you buy seeds and you take those seeds home and you put the seeds in the ground. In fact, one of our, one of our grandchildren the other day brought home um, a little seed to begin an oak tree. Right? Only one. We put it in a pot and we watered it and we prayed. Because you know something? If it doesn't sprout, can I do anything about that? No. If God doesn't put life in it, it's got no life. It's just that simple. I can water it. I can fertilize it. I can pray over it. I can try really hard. I can put it in the sun. I can put it in the shade. I can do all this stuff. But if there's no life in that seed, I cannot speak life into that because God hasn't given to you or to me the ability to actually speak life into anything. So guess what? It is impossible for you and it's impossible for me to make myself spiritually alive. No matter how many commandments I keep. Because if I'm going to be made spiritually alive, who's going to do it? God's going to do it. That's the overwhelming message of Scripture is that the God who created the heavens and the earth and His Son, Jesus Christ, and His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, want to come and live in your life and mine and, and, and replace the death that is naturally ours with life. And I can tell you that once you begin to live, boy, you don't want to trade that for anything. This isn't self-help. It's about God living in us. And that's the, that's the greatest invitation that anyone could ever give. The third truth that comes out of this Bible teaching is this. The driving force behind all of this is God's limitless mercy, love, and kindness. Although I accepted that truth for years, I struggled to understand it. I really struggled to understand 
You know, as I look at our world, and as I read the newspaper, as I watch the news, and I look at the human race, we do some pretty disgusting things, do we not? Yeah. I struggled with, why would God love us? It it makes no sense to me. Why would God love us to the point that He would choose to forgive us at the cost of His own Son, Jesus? At the cost of leaving heaven and coming to earth? At the cost of having people reject Him? At the cost of having people laugh at Him? At the cost of taking physical abuse on our behalf? At the cost of the massive pain of crucifixion. And knowing that a big number of people would reject it anyway. But then one day God said, there's only one reason I would. It's because you're my kids. I created you to be my children. Parents, if you have a child and the child rejects you and the child walks away from you and the child laughs at you and the child gets involved in behavior that's self-destructive, how do you feel? You're heartbroken, right? But if that child shows up on your doorstep and says, would you take me back? Would you tell them, come back in three days while I think about it? No. The answer, friends, is automatic. In fact, you probably wouldn't just sit and wait for them. You'd go looking for them, wouldn't you? And you would spend countless thousands of dollars to find and help them. There would be no cost too great. And it wouldn't make any difference how disobedient they were. It wouldn't make any difference how much they had rejected you. And you know, even in the end, if that child never comes back to you, would you then give up on all the rest who love you? Say, ah, just throw the whole batch out. Can you imagine doing that? Well, it's craziness. So, even though there are people who will ultimately reject God and spit and laugh in His face, God's not about to throw the rest of us out because of them. We are His children. So, you know what that means? It doesn't really make any difference how dead you've been. It doesn't make any difference how destructive you have been. It doesn't make any difference how badly separated from God you were by your sin. God's still your Father. He still wants to come and live right here. And when he comes, he replaces death with what? Life. Yeah. And then you can live again. Only right this time. As we close, I want to give you two 
principles. Well, let me give you the application truth. The application truth is this. Following Jesus brings what? Fullness of life. Not just partial life. Not just kind of life. Not Following Jesus doesn't just bring life insurance. No offense to any insurance people out there, all right? Jesus isn't talking about life insurance that you can collect on when you die, but between now and when you die, you've got to pay premiums on it. No, this is fullness of life now. It's greatness of life. And that begs two questions, and I want, I want to talk about those two questions as we close. And the first question is this. It is, how can I get it? Yeah. How can I get this new life? And I want to read to you what Jesus said to a man who came to him one night. He was a spiritual teacher in the nation of Israel, and he recognized that Jesus was bringing truths to the nation of Israel that were revolutionary. They were life-changing. They were eternal truths, and they certainly had their origin in God. And here's Jesus' response to him. Take a look here in John chapter 3. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, Unless you are born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. And he went on to explain, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Now, underline the next phrase. I want you to get this. Humans can reproduce only what? Human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to what? Spiritual life. That's why you can't make yourself spiritually alive. Who can do that? Only God. Wow. And He does it through this being born again experience. So He went on to say, Jesus went on to say, So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. How do you do that? Well, I put it up there. By inviting God to bring His new life into your heart. Only you can make that invitation. I can't superimpose God on your life. I can't speak God into your life any more than I can speak life into a dead seed. I just can't do that. God hasn't given any human being the ability to do that. But you know what God has given to every human being? The ability and the opportunity to look to the heavens and say, Oh Lord, come into my life. Bring you new life and replace my death with life. And God comes, and He brings His life. There's a second question. Because some of us can point to a time in our life where we invited God to come into our life, and He made us spiritually alive. But the second question is this, how can I live out this new life today? Friends, that's not just automatic. You know, when you take the seed and the seed has life in it, and you put the seed in the ground, does it just automatically grow? 
No, you're probably going to have to water it. You're probably going to have to fertilize it. You're probably going to have to tend it, or eventually it may sprout and die. It may do all sorts of things. But it's not going to live and be productive because there are things that you have to do with that life to nurture that life into fullness. And the life that God brings into your heart is exactly like that. If you don't nurture it and tend it, it's all the life of God and it's all right there. But it never amounts to much unless you do something with it. So what is it you can do with it? Here's what you need to do. Take a look. You need to intentionally choose to walk in step with God's Spirit. Let me read this to you and then I'll I'll tell you a story. Galatians 5 says, Since we live by God's Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You know, perhaps a good question for us to write down is, Am I in step with God's Spirit? Have you even thought about that recently? The instrumentalists on our stage, if you look at them carefully, most of them have an earpiece. And the earpiece is there, not only so that they can hear the other musicians and and so forth, but periodically, for some songs that they play, there's a click track that goes on in that earpiece. You and I can't hear it out here, but it's basically a metronome, and it keeps them at the right rhythm so they don't get too fast or too slow, and when there's pauses in there. They all come back in together at the same time, and it helps make the music beautiful. What it does is it keeps them in step with each other. I want you to think about that concept for a minute. The Bible seems to indicate that the Spirit of God has a metronome that He wants to sound in our hearts every day. And if we listen to that metronome, we keep in step with God's Spirit and we live out this new life. But if we don't take time to listen to the metronome or we sort of pull it out of our ear, you have no idea whether you're in step with God's Spirit or not. You're just walking on your own, doing the best you can by yourself. How do we keep in step? I have to intentionally choose every day. And at what time of the day, by the way? What time? The beginning of every day. I know some of you read your devotions at night. Can I tell you, it's okay to read your devotions at night, but if you wait till the evening to get in step with the Spirit, you blew it. Are you on board with me? It's too late because now all you're going to do is sleep by the Spirit. The idea is you need to live by the Spirit. You need to walk in step with the Spirit. So even if you read your devotions at night, when you get up in the morning, at least get down beside your bed. Get on your knees somewhere and invite the Spirit of God into your life and get tuned in to the Holy Spirit so you can walk that day with God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, for those of us here this morning 
who have been sort of on the self-help plan. We're doing our best to keep your commandments. We're doing our best to do things right. And we think if we just live holy or pure enough or right enough or, or we live moral enough or we have good enough ethics, that somehow that's the secret to life. Lord, this morning we come and we say, now we know, now we understand that yes, the commandments and morals and ethics and all the stuff is good, but it's no replacement for you living in us and bringing your new life. So would you give us grace to choose that life today? And then Lord, for those of us who maybe have drifted and wandered in the metronome is not really in our spirit anymore. And if it's there, it's very faint. And it gets easily drowned out by our own desires or other concerns or things that we want to do. Would you enable us this morning to really turn up the volume of your metronome in us so that we can keep and walk in step with you every single day? Lord, hear and answer our prayers. We offer them in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.